0: Welcome to the Amherst Wesleyan Church Sermon Podcast. Well, good morning and uh, thank you for joining us. My name is Pastor Brad. I'm the Assistant Pastor here at AWC and we aim to be down-to-earth people following Jesus down-to-earth ways now it's January the 2nd it is the start of a new year and every year it's a great opportunity for us to look back on the previous year and see what what happened in that year and what we can maybe do differently this year to make life go smoother better this is why we write uh, things like New Year's resolutions and so maybe you've written yours and maybe you've kept them so far, maybe you haven't, I don't know. I can't say uh, much about what uh, resolutions I've made, whether or not I've uh, kept them because uh, I'm actually recording this in December still. Uh, I'm recording this on the day that we found out we had to switch to uh, virtual church. And so, again, thank you for joining us online, and I know that this is definitely different and not what we expected, uh, but just glad that we can uh, meet together in this format and still uh, learn from God's Word and worship together in a way that, well, it's become familiar, but hopefully for not too much longer. So hang in there, church, and I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll get through this. Uh, before we get into this morning's message, why don't we just take a little bit of time together uh, to pray as a church body, uh, to lift up the needs that are in our community, the needs that are in our church, and, and just encourage one another. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning. We thank you, Lord, that in spite of the fact that we are in this new scenario, this, this new format, that you are still good to us, and that your mercy never changes, and uh, that you are here in the midst of our struggle, You are with us now in our living rooms or offices or wherever it may be that we're watching. And you are with us through the mundane and the day-to-day. And so, God, we thank you for all of that. And we ask now, Lord, that you be with us in this time. pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I don't know about you, but there is nothing worse than a spoiled child. Can I get an Amen. Okay, I may have heard you shout amen, but maybe shout out out again. There's nothing worse than a spoiled child. And so if you agree with me, you can nod your head, you can shout amen, you can send me a little note that says, yeah, absolutely. So we could probably just end it there and go, yeah, we agree on something. Well, we don't need to go any further. But yeah, there's, there's nothing worse than a spoiled child. Anytime I'm out, uh, say shopping or in town, you probably have seen this. You you see children just showing, uh, throwing a a tantrum or having a fit. It might be because they wanted a a toy in the toy aisle or candy in the candy aisle, and mom and dad said no, and it's just not going their way. And uh, <laughs> I've been in youth ministry long enough to to have some experience with some some spoiled teens or some spoiled kids, where I just shake my head and go, oh my goodness, like. What is wrong with you? Mom and Dad, where are you in this situation right now? Why is this going uh, like this right now? I remember this one youth uh, that I had to deal with before. This was at a different church, so don't worry about your own kid. <laughs> but there was this, this girl in our, our youth group and, and she was just so poorly spoiled and uh, just difficult to, to work with. Uh, she was spoiled, she was very selfish, um, any time Uh, we were at youth group, she wanted things to go her way. And if her friends wanted to do something different, maybe play a different game, uh, or or do something different, we'll say, she would have a fit, she would have a tantrum, and she would blame them for uh, being bad friends, and she would point the finger and and get all scally, and it just wasn't good. And I remember this one situation with, with this girl where she hadn't been invited to this birthday party by another girl in our our youth group and uh, it turned out this other girl wasn't even having a birthday party but this this girl thought she had been excluded from a party that didn't even happen and so because of that she threw a fit and her parents got involved and it was really awkward there is nothing worse than a spoiled self-centered selfish child but you know what the problem is? Spoiled, selfish, self-centered children grow up to be selfish, spoiled, self-centered adults. And there's been times in my life where it's very easy for me to look at a, a child who's, who's having a tantrum or having a fit and go, yeah, they're spoiled. But then there's times in my own life where I see myself doing the exact same thing. It might be during a conversation with my wife Olivia where we're having an argument or a discussion and I want things to go my way and they don't go my way and I might have a fit or a tantrum and, and just kind of make the conversation go in a direction that is unhelpful. Not only that, there's been times in my life where maybe it's with other people or with parents or coworkers, or just other places in life where I go, I want you to do things my way. I don't want to do things your way. You know, it's, it's funny because I'm actually recording the sermon, like I said, on December 21st. The day we found out we were switching to v- virtual. And I remember watching that conference going, no, this is not the way I want it to go. I want you to do it my way. And so maybe for you, maybe you've found yourself doing the exact same thing. Maybe with your spouse or with your children, you find yourself going, do things my way. And you might think that they're the one being stubborn, but it's actually you also being the stubborn one. And maybe like me, you've uh, had interactions like that with coworkers or friends or neighbors where you just want people to do things your way, and they don't, and we react negatively. And maybe like me, you watch these COVID conferences where the premier and Dr. Strang get on and they tell us uh, the bad news and we go, that's not how I wanted things to go. I want you to do it my way. I'm sure each one of us has struggled at different times with selfishness or self-centeredness. And maybe it was because we were spoiled, who knows? We're, we're starting a new series this morning called Hit Refresh. And it's a really uh, timely message series for us to begin in the new year. Like I said earlier, the new year's the opportunity for us to look ahead to what we can do differently, make our resolutions. But it's an opportunity for us to hit pause and hit the refresh button to refresh ourselves and to kind of let things reset we can look at things that go on in our lives where we know we don't want those things to be going on in our, in our lives. And so we have to hit the refresh button so that we can learn to not do those things any longer. And so this morning, uh, we're going to be looking specifically through the book of Hosea. Uh, we're going to be looking at the book of Hosea for the month. Uh, but this morning, we're going to be looking at Hosea chapter 1 verse 7. And we're going to be dealing with selfishness and self-centeredness and what it means to be spoiled and how we get out of those bad habits or those patterns that are destructive so that we can refresh ourselves and become the people that God intends us to be throughout this new year. So if you have a Bible, why don't you turn with me now to Hosea chapter 1 verse 7. Hosea chapter 1 verse 7. Here's what it says. It says, But I will have mercy on the house of Judah, and I will save them by the Lord their God. I will not save them by bow, or by sword, or by war, or by horses, or by horsemen. Okay. So, on the surface, this doesn't look like it's saying much about selfishness and self-centeredness or what it's like to be spoiled. What practical application does that even have towards these things? And so what we need is some further context to understand this passage and how it relates to selfishness and self-centeredness. Now, throughout the Old Testament, the Israelite people ebbed and flowed in their relationship with God. There were times where things were going well. They were following God, they were doing, what God had commanded them to, and so because of that uh, they were receiving the blessings and favor of God. And then there were other times where the Israelites would disobey God and turn to other gods or do things their own way and neglect God's ways and then things wouldn't go so well. God would raise up uh, a foreign nation or there would be some sort of civil war. There would be some, some problem that the Israelite people would have to face and in the midst of that, they would turn to God and call out for a deliverer. And then God, seeing their repentance, would raise up a deliverer, usually a warrior king type person. And so maybe it was someone like Moses. Uh, the Israelites, they had been living in uh, Egypt for 400 years in slavery. But then God raises up Moses, sends Moses into Israel and delivers God's people out of Egypt and into the promised land. There's other stories like Samson. Samson was one of the judges and at the time of Samson's life, the Israelite people had been disobeying God and worshiping other gods. And so God had sent the Philistine uh, people and to conquer the Israelites and wage war and things weren't so good. And so there's like people called out for deliverance and God raised up a man named Samson and Samson fought the Philistines and delivered God's people from that oppression. There's other examples like David. David fought Goliath and in doing so, delivered God's people from Goliath and from those Philistine armies. And this was at, of course, at a different, a different time. So there was this pattern that happened throughout the entire Old Testament where the Israelite people, they would follow God, things would go well. Then for some reason they would turn against God, worship other gods, and do things that God didn't want them to do. And so God would send a judgment in the form of a foreign army. And so then the people would repent and they would call out for deliverance and God would raise up a deliverer and deliver God's people and they would begin to follow God again. And this cycle would go on and on and on and on until Hosea chapter 1, verse 7, where God says, I will no longer raise up for you a warrior king type person. I will not save you by bow or by sword or by horse or by horseman, but I will save you through the Lord your God. Now we as Christians we would understand that as uh, God pointing forward to a time when He would send His Son Jesus to this world to die on a cross, paying the penalty of our sins, to finally set us free from sin and death. And so, Hallelujah! Praise God that that uh, prophecy was fulfilled. But you see, there's a problem associated with this scripture in Hosea 1:7. You have to see this not from our perspective but from the perspective of the Israelite people. You see, they had become accustomed to this cycle that went on and on and on of uh, turning against God and then facing an oppressor and then calling out for deliverance and then seeing a deliverer and then the deliverer delivered them and, and that cycle. They were used to that pattern. They were used to that cycle. They had become so accustomed to it that it became an expectation of theirs. It kind of became something like, well, we can do whatever we want. We can sin all we want. We can turn against God all we want. Because in the end, he'll just give us a deliverer. So, big deal. And that is a much bigger problem. That is an issue of the heart. And God sees that issue in his people. And he sees that issue in us when we act the same way. And so God says, no more. I will not follow this pattern any longer i am breaking this cycle you will not get things the way they've been done before you will get things in a way that is different in a way that is not your way in a way that's not your expectation in a way that is mine and so you can understand then that this israelite people would become angry sad disturbed confused and all kinds of other feelings would would begin to prop up as soon as you read Hosea 1.7, because we by nature are selfish, self-centered, spoiled people. And the Israelite people had become selfish, self-centered, spoiled people. And the way for God to break that pattern in their life was to change how he had been doing things all along. So, what does that mean for us? Well, the same thing can be said about us. Oftentimes, in our relationship with God, we can find ourselves saying or doing things that God does not desire, and so we might call out for deliverance and expect God to save us or deliver us in ways that we want Him to. And so we might end up saying things like, God, save me the way I want to be saved save me without the need for me to confess my sins, save me without the need for me to repent. Save me without the need to reconcile with others. Save me without the need to forgive those who've hurt me. Save me without the need to make you lord of my life. Save me without the need for me to worship you. Save me without the need for me to make sacrifices. God, Do it my way. Do it my way. God doesn't work that way. God does not look at us and say, of course, I'll let you have your way. No, he says, we're going to do things my way. You see, we cannot expect the blessing and favor of God if our hearts are in opposition to him. If we expect things to only go our way. You see, the God of the universe is not someone you can dictate and control. God is not a genie or a vending machine or a slave. The God of this universe is not like Burger King where you can have it your way. If we look at other examples, we can look at the life of someone like Jacob. Someone who tried to gain his inheritance through malicious ways. He tried to do things his own way, but God did not begin to bless and work in his life until after he submitted to God's way. Or you can look at the example of Moses, who at the time when God asked him to go into Egypt and deliver his people, he made excuses. He said, I'm not going back to Egypt. I, I have a speech impediment. I can't do that. No, let's do things my way. And God says, no, Moses, we're going to do things my way. Or you can look at the example of Abraham and how he tried to control God's plan in the promise of him having a son. See, God promised Abraham a son, but his wife was barren, and so he thought, well, I'll do things my way, and I will sleep with another woman named Hagar and get her pregnant. And God says, no, that was not my plan. That was not my way. You are to have a son through your wife, Sarah. And there are just plenty of examples in Scripture of times when characters tried to do things their own way, and God says, "No, we're not doing things your way. We're doing them my way." Isaiah 55:8 and 9 says this: "For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways," declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And so when we look at the Israelite people or we look at some of these other examples of people who try to do things their own way only to get burned for it, uh, only for things to not work out and for God to step in and say, no, we're doing things my way, we have to understand that God is the same way with us. So we cannot expect God to do things our way. We cannot expect God to uh, bless us or give us his favor if we're always fighting him for control of our lives. We ultimately have to submit control to him. And the same can be said in our relationships with other people. We can't expect our relationship with other people, to whether they be our spouse or our children or our co-workers or whoever, We can't expect those relationships to be healthy if we're always fighting for control for things to go our own way. See anytime we put ourselves first we only alienate ourselves from others. There was a time at another church I remember ministering to this man and and this was the exact problem that he had. He expected everyone to do things his way and Oftentimes, he was very brash and and rude, and he would say things and do things that would make people very uncomfortable and not really wanting to be around him. And so he would point the finger and he'd accuse people of bullying him and and saying, well, you ought to to include me. You know, this is a church after all. But then he would act so selfish and so self-centeredly that people would be like, yeah, but the way you act, the way you behave it's not working out and so you might think even that these other people will shame on them for not including this man in spite of his uh his fallenness and his problems but the truth is if we expect our relationships with other people to operate that way they're not going to work out if we expect other people to be selfless but we remain selfish and self-centered all along and never change that relationship will not work. Relationships are a two-way street, and it takes both people being selfless, putting each other first rather than themselves first for the relationship to work. That's very obvious when it's your spouse or very obvious when it's your children, but it's even harder sometimes with other people, and it can be even hard with God, but that's the way it works. Philippians 2, 3... through four say say this it says do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit but rather in humility value others above yourself not looking to your own interests but each of you to the interests of others you see selfishness and self-centeredness it gets in the way of our relationship with God and it gets in our the way in our relationship with other people And so if we want to change that, we need to apply this verse to our lives. We need to put others before ourselves. And so this might look like being willing to listen to others first before we speak or being grateful for what we have rather than demand more from others. Maybe we offer to help other people even if we don't like them. Be mindful of what we say and how we say it. I know that's one that I often need help with put others' needs before our own. We can volunteer our time towards a need in our community or our church. But the most important thing we can do is submit to God's way and set aside our own plans and our own desires and our own selfishness and give God full control of our lives. It is through that that we become refreshed where we can enter in 2022 on the right path, following God's way and not our own way, setting aside selfishness, setting aside our self-centered desires, putting other people before ourselves and giving God full control of our lives. And there's a way we have to do this. There's there's a, a point we need to cross for this to work out practically. You see, as I said earlier, God sent his son Jesus to this world to be that final deliverer to set us free from sin and death. And it is to Jesus that we must submit our lives to and make him Lord of our life. We have to recognize that we can't save ourselves. There's no amount of, uh, of holy living or any kind of animal sacrifice or anything that we could do on our own to make God love us more than he already does. It is through his son, Jesus on the cross, dying for our sins that we are delivered. And so we need to put our faith and trust in Jesus rather than our own plans or our own agendas. We need to put our trust firmly in Jesus and follow his way and not our own. So when you get home, I guess you're already at home. (laughs) Just used to saying that, I guess. After you turn off this message, I want to encourage you to take a whiteboard marker and write on a kitchen window or bathroom mirror somewhere you know you're going to look every day and just simply write these words, God's way. God's way. Because it's not about us. It's not about our ways. It's not about having our way. It's about letting God have his way with us. That is how we refresh ourselves as we enter in this new year. Let me leave you with one more scripture verse as a final reminder that we must submit to God's ways. Here's what it says in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, in all your ways, submit to His ways, submit to Him. And He will make your path straight. Would you pray with me? Father God, I just thank you for this word. And I thank you for this time that we could sit together and and learn from it together. And God, I know when I look at my own life, I see selfishness and self-centeredness affect my relationships and affect my relationship with you in ways that I'm not proud of, in ways that I wish were not so. But God, you have sent us a final deliverer, Jesus, who delivers us from sin, who delivers us from death, who delivers us from our selfishness and our self-centered ways. And so God, help me and help us to follow in your ways more closely. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless church, and we hope to see you in person again soon. Thanks for listening and being part of our church and joining us in this journey to become down-to-earth people following Jesus in down-to-earth ways.